Hey friends, can you believe we are two weeks away from closing up 2022? Wow, what a year. I really pray that you celebrate the wins you've had, the accomplishments that you did, and just be proud because God loves you right now in this very moment, no matter what you've done. You need to remember that he loves you so much, you couldn't have done more. So be happy, be present, and I want to make sure you know about my eight-week mentorship kicking off the year, Jan- the week of January 9th. Spend eight weeks with me to deepen your faith, get fueled by faith, and just develop a real healthy relationship with God and learn your identity. We're going to talk about so many different things along the eight weeks that you don't want to miss this opportunity. I'm so excited to partner up with you in faith, bring you into a community of women that are like-minded in that way, that want to see you grow, want to see you win. So don't forget, if you're not getting my weekly newsletter, the information is in there. Just go to kellytyan.com, sign up for my newsletter. I send one to two emails a week. You will have the information in there. And I hope to see you inside. I'm so excited to end this year with you listening to this show. I'm so appreciative of you. It means the world to me. And I know you're going to enjoy this amazing episode. See you guys. Welcome to Addicted to the Climb. I am your host, Kelly Tyen. As a faith-fueled health and transformation coach, author, and breast cancer survivor, my mission is to provide you with the wisdom, the tools, and all the success tips that I've learned along my own journey in health, fitness, faith, and personal development. Plus, you'll hear some incredible and inspiring conversations that will motivate you and empower you to keep on climbing no matter what you're going through. Let's buckle up to start a brand new climb together and start showing up differently as we work our way to the top. Right now, this is your time to take in all the positivity and all the blessings that God has for you. So let's get started. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the show. Well, today, I hope you're buckled up and ready for this amazing conversation I am about to have with a new friend of mine that I met on LinkedIn. Yes, LinkedIn. It's a great platform for community in exchanges, in conversations. It's just, if you're not over there, I'm just encouraging you to maybe step over there break into something new like I have. I'm pretty new. I started LinkedIn in September and that's where I met my guest. And I'm so excited because she's so empowering, so inspiring. I can't wait for you to hear her story. Let me tell you a little bit about her. Her name is Mina Ednani and Mina is a self-empowerment and business coach for women, an international speaker and a former lawyer in New York and the UK. Her amazing story about losing all of her wealth in 2016, which her bank account was at zero, she hit her first seven figures in two years, and that is beyond inspiring. Since then, 
She has invested in multiple properties and created a stream of passive income. She now teaches women how to build their self-worth and their net worth because this is the legacy she wants to create. She wants to create women who are tapped into their full potential so that they can be, do, and have exactly what they desire. Mina, I am so excited and honored to have you on the show today. So welcome. Thank you for having me. I really love talking to you. Yes, this has been so much fun. Well, I want to start with, I always ask my guest, because we talk about being addicted to the climb. And I believe life is a climb. We're either on a climb, we just came off a climb, or we're heading towards a new climb. So I want to know, where are you at right now in your life? Oh, ah. That question gave me goosebumps because I think when it comes to us climbing, I think that there is more than one ladder. There are many, many different ladders that we climb on. And initially, when I was on my journey in life, my ladder was me climbing to achieve my own success. But now I'm on on a different ladder. For me right now, success does not look like my success because I've been there. For me right now, my success looks like the number of people whose lives I can impact. Mm, I love that. That's so beautiful. And I think that's everything. That's that's exactly what we're doing is impacting yeah. lives. It's And I want to jump into your story about, I actually want to start with sure. where you were, the bankruptcy that happened to you, how you lost everything and how you rebuilt what you have. So take us through your journey because I know so many people right now might be in a struggle with their finances and you've done so much, Mina. You're so empowering and I'd love for you to dive into the story. Sure. Thank you. Um, You know, I want to share my story only because I want people to see that every single one of us go through difficulties in time. We cannot predict how life is going to work out for us. But what we can believe in and have faith in is that first and foremost, it doesn't matter what life looks like. There is always hope on the other side. And secondly, knowing that if you are someone who believes in God, you know that ultimately, whether it is God or the universe that you believe in, you know that ultimately God is in control. That at that time, it may look like you've been abandoned. At that time, it may look like, you know, like your life is over, but always, always trust and always believe. Um, To take you back to my story, this was on the 30th of July on uh, in 2016. I had just been promoted to become the chief marketing officer of my company. I was working for the largest cable company in Indonesia. And at that time, I was already the chief content officer. And then I was promoted to become a chief marketing officer. And I was one of three women at a board level. And my board consisted of nine men. And so it was very rare to find women at that level. So I was already doing very well in my career and I had already put my money aside in investments. I was quite happy thinking, you know, I've, I've got my life sorted. And especially coming from my background, Kelly, I wasn't, I didn't come from a background where I was loud or more like encouraged to get an education. I came from a background where I had to literally fight every step of the way for my dad to let me get educated because 
girls in my uh, tradition or in my culture, we were groomed to get married at 17. But I didn't want that future for myself. I wanted to become financially successful. Okay. Before you continue, that is, I want to just stop right there for a minute. Sure. Because where did that drive come from? Were you born that way, Mina? Because you come from a big family. And what you just said is so powerful. I think most of us get stuck and do what we think we should be doing, no matter how old we are or what we come. You know, we have these labels. Oh, I'm supposed to just do this. But were you someone that just had that inside you as a little girl? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, when I was a child, I there were some things. I think I was very intuitive as a child. I there were a lot of things that didn't make any sense to me. Some things that didn't make sense was were that I noticed that the women who were supposed to be my role model, my mom and my aunts, they were very subservient. They were quiet, and you know the alpha male and the people in charge were the men, like my dad and my uncles. And I used to spend a lot of time playing with my uncles, spend a lot of time with my aunts. And somehow it just didn't make any sense that my aunt's happiness was very much dependent on their husbands and that they were not, they they didn't really have a life independent of their husbands. So literally their life revolved around their husband. And as a child, I found that a little disturbing, I should say. And I kept thinking, what? what is this all about? And I was very curious. So I would ask my aunts a lot of questions and my aunts were from India. So one day they said to me, you know what? You are the only, because I have a lot of siblings. We have seven girls, one boy. And I think I was a little bit more of the serious one, although I was always playful. My aunts took me aside and said, you know what? Once once a day or once a week, I can't remember, um, you have to sit with us as teach us Bahasa Indonesia, which is Indonesian language. Uh, we will tell you the words in English and you tell us the word in Bahasa. And I think I was a lawyer since I was a child. So I said, okay, but in return, you'll have to answer my questions. And they said, sure. So I said, okay, deal. So I would teach them Bahasa for an hour. And then at the end of the hour, I would ask them questions. And my questions were like, okay, how long have you known my uncle? When, why did you marry him? And turns out it was an arranged marriage. They didn't know my uncle. So of course that was my first trauma. I was like, oh my God, why would you leave your family home for somebody you didn't know? And then the second trauma was, oh, it'll happen to you because it happens to every girl. That was my second trauma. So I think my drive came from there because ever since I was a child, I'm not so sure how I knew that if I just became financially independent, I would be able to escape this whole system of where women were groomed to get married. And I don't think that there is anything wrong with getting married. It's just wasn't what I was drawn to because I saw what my aunts and my mom's life looked like and I didn't want my life to be like them. And so I watched a Bollywood movie with my aunts when when I was a child. And in that movie, I saw a Bollywood actress who was a lawyer in court. And she spoke with such confidence. And when she spoke, people heard her and there was no one who told her she should keep quiet. Cause you know, that's what I was told all the time as a child, no, that she should keep quiet just because she's a woman. And I was like, okay, I, I am going to be her. And in my childlike mind, being her means being a lawyer. So I decided I was going to be a lawyer. So that's where my drive came from. I wanted to be a lawyer. Okay. 
Okay, it's I understand completely now <laughs> because there's always there's always something inside someone that drives them to do what they do. Exactly. So for you coming from wow, what a story! That's that's incredible that you just wanted to take your own path and create your own lane out of the family lane. Everybody right. was flowing the same way, and there's Mina. She wanted to go in her <laughs> own way. That's I beautiful. Think- I think God has a plan for every single one of us. And so when I, when my aunts told me that this is what's going to happen to every girl, I remember for days being very upset at God, being very upset and saying to God, you're very cruel. If you exist, you're very cruel because why would you do that? Why would you create girls only so that they would listen to their father until they're 17. And then after 17, they have to listen to their husband and then they die. So what's the point of life? You know, I asked God that question again and again. So ever since I was a child, that was something that was in my mind. Wow. wow. But to go back to um, the story of, uh, you know, that day, which I said, you know, on the yes. 30th of July, when I was, I had just been promoted CMO and CCO of the largest cable company in Indonesia. Life was good. And like I said, you know, I broke tradition. I, I went through quite a lot of judgment because I was so different as a girl. I went through isolation because many women didn't understand me. I wanted to be successful. I wanted to build wealth, whereas they wanted to marry rich husbands. It was very different. And so I went through a lot of difficulty to get to where I got to. And so when I got to that place, I knew that my future was secure. I knew that I didn't have to worry about anything because it doesn't matter what people have to say. It may be a dark tunnel, but my pot of gold is at the end of that tunnel. That is what I believed. But on that dreaded day, I received a call and that call was from the person who was managing my finances. I had trusted him to invest my money and for the maybe year or so, it was all going well. And of course, in hindsight, I realized there were so many mistakes I made, but I was too busy in the rat race, too busy chasing my you know corporate targets that I didn't really think about managing my own finances. And so on that day, I received a call and I was told, come and see me. And it was on a Sunday and I was just heading out of the house to meet my ex-colleague who was handing over her responsibility to me. I mean, we were having a casual lunch on a Sunday um, where she was going to tell me, she was the previous chief marketing officer. She was going to tell me what are the things that were outstanding so that, you know, it would be a seamless uh, role that I could take on. But when I received that call, come and see me now, I was like, I can't because I have someone waiting to see me for lunch. And he said, you have to come now and hangs up. So of course I had all sorts of thoughts in my mind, but not nowhere in the horizon was financial loss. I just thought maybe there was some personal issues he's going through, he needed help or something like that. So I canceled my colleague, really apologized. And I said, an emergency has come up, I will call you again. So I ran over to this guy's house. And when I went in, he just said, have a seat. And his wife was there. He's like, have a seat. And I sat down. I'm like, okay, is he going to tell me somebody died or did something happen? You know? And as soon as I sat down, he told, he just said, it's all gone. And I'm like, what do you mean it's all gone? He's like, your money's all gone. And I'm like, what do you mean it's all gone? So of course it took me a long time for me to digest it. 
And with every question that he answered, I had 50 more questions. And after being there for two hours, I think my brain just couldn't take it anymore. And the shock, the shock of it was just too much. And, you know, when we go through shock, you are in so much denial that at some point you think it's a dream and every now and then it's your it's just it's your defense mechanism so you know you kind of like need time after two hours i remember going into the car oh before that when he was telling me that he lost my finances i messaged my sister in australia and i said are you there and you know i, I it's not an, in hindsight i realized that wasn't a nice thing to do because she's halfway across the world and when you ask someone a question like that, of course, they get really worried, which she was. And she was like, yes, what happened? And I just said, my life is over. I can't talk now. I'll call you later. And I cannot even imagine what she must have gone through because she just probably thought of all the worst things that was possible. Mm -hmm. So well, two hours later, when I got into my car, I bawled my eyes out. I cried so much. I cried so much. And I knew I wanted to call my sister, but I needed to just get myself together first. Mm -hmm. And I remember distinctly, Kelly, and I haven't shared this in so many of the conversations I've had with people. I remember distinctly sitting in that car, really crying to God saying, I cannot do this. I cannot do this on my own. Please take this from me, take this burden from me. I cannot, I cannot, like literally, I was just pleading saying, I cannot do this on my own. Please, 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 you know, and crying and crying and crying. And by the time I got my senses together, I actually saw a vision with my eyes closed. I saw a vision and the vision was, I am this consciousness and I'm observing myself. I'm looking at myself from the back and I see myself walking walking ahead. So I am this awareness at the back, watching myself walking. And then there is this voice that says, keep walking and never turn back because there will never be a day that you will need that money. And I had no idea what it meant. There was a lot of fear around that. The fear was, what do you mean? What do you mean? You mean I'll never get the money? You mean, so it's, it was even more fear, you know, mm -hmm. but I didn't understand what that meant because I was just like, oh my God, oh my God. So I called my sister and when I called my sister, I told her what happened and she was very supportive. And she said, you know, look, you know that I'm always here. What, what do you need? How much money do you need? I'll, I'll transfer it to you. And I'm like, no, that's not the point. You don't understand everything I've built. I was 46 then. I'm like, everything I have built until today is zero. Like how, how am I supposed to make sense out of this? You know, it's not the $2,000 that you can send me or the 5000 even that everything everything i've been through judgment i've been through isolations it was my ransom it was my reward it was my pot of gold at the end of the tunnel but it's all gone so what is the point of for me to keep going in life you know and so she was very understanding and supportive and she said something really profound before she we hung up and she said you know i want to tell you something she said i know that you think that financial loss was is a terrible thing and I know it is. She said, I know what you went through is really hard, but do you know when you told me that your life was over, do you know what I thought? I said, what? She said, I thought you got raped. And she said, I don't know about you, but I would rather lose my money than get raped. 
And I said, oh my God, she's so right. You know, I don't know how much more effort and how much more work it would take to get over the trauma of somebody violating your body versus losing your finances. Mm -hmm. And so that really was my first, I would say, awareness of gratitude. As ironic as that sounds, it's my first awareness about being grateful. So after that, the next couple of months was extremely challenging because every day I would open my eyes and thinking, oh, that was a bad dream. And then you're, and then suddenly this wave of like depression and you realize, no, 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 you are waking up into, sorry, you're waking up into a bad dream. And so there were many days I couldn't put my feet on the ground. There were many days when I just didn't want to get out of bed. Having said that, I knew that staying in bed would probably be the worst thing to do because you just slip into depression even more. So I just said to myself, somehow there is this inner knowing, you know, Mina, you don't need to have everything figured out. Just just put your feet on the ground. That's it. Put your feet on the ground. And I would, I would, okay, just stand up. So literally there was a voice guiding me every step of the way. And then up to a point I showered and everything and then sit in front of my dressing table to wear my makeup and because I have to go to work. And when I'm sitting in front of the mirror, I'm bawling my eyes out again. And then there is a voice telling me, you know what? You just have to show up. Every day you just have to show up. Everything will be taken care of. You just have to show up. So every day I just taught myself slowly, slowly, slowly to show up. And as I started showing up after I think about a couple of months, and I think this is the the way God has created us. I think we are created to have this human physical experience to be happy. Yes, we go through difficulty, but the goal is not for us to stay in the place of darkness. It's supposed to for us to, to evolve. And so I had been in the darkness for so long that my spirit just knew that wasn't the place I wanted to be. So after two months, I felt like I don't want to be this in this place. It's a horrible place. It's a, it's, it feels terrible. And gratitude felt better. Thinking positive better. Having a couple that made me feel good feel felt better so these little things made me realize you know being grateful or being happy was a choice and i can actually choose and suddenly i had this thought that you know what this one thing is a traumatic event that i am going to be sharing this story for the rest of my life whether i like it or not it is a traumatic event but how i tell the story is going to be a choice I need to make. Mm-hmm. And suddenly my mind went to a time when I used to live in Singapore. I had a friend who was divorced because her husband cheated on her. She was Indian, her husband was Indian, and he cheated on her with a Chinese girl. And there's a relevance to this. I didn't know this story. I remember once going with her to a bar and we were having drinks. And she saw an Indian man dancing with a Chinese woman. And she started hurling names at the Chinese woman. And I just thought, whoa, what? Where is this bitterness coming from? Where is this darkness coming from? And she then, you know, made these broad statements that, you know, all Chinese girls are like this. All Indian men are like that. And I'm like, where are they coming from? And then I understood it's because she had been 
her husband had cheated on her with a Chinese woman. So she thinks all Indian men are like that. And she thinks all Chinese women are like that. Mm -hmm. And it was at that point, I made a decision. I wasn't going to be like her. I wasn't going to live my life bitter. And I wasn't going to allow any past experiences to make me so bitter that I am prevented from seeing the beauty in people and things. Mm -hmm. And so when I had this epiphany, after two months, I was like, you know what? I'm going to tell this story for, for the rest of my life. But whether I tell this story from a place of empowerment or disempowerment is up to me. And yes, right now I'm disempowered because I lost everything at 46. I, in fact, I went into early menopause because of my financial loss, because it was too much of a trauma for my body. But when I started becoming aware that I had a choice as to how I can tell the story, somehow my mind just went along with, what would it be like if I said, yes, that horrible event that was meant to break me, made me, that horrible event that happened, look where I have come mm -hmm. to and look how I've rebuilt myself. And I went along with that story. And so when I think for all of you who are listening, I think if you have been through a difficult period and you know that your past has been traumatic, at some point, you need to look at yourself in the mirror and ask yourself this one question. Do I want to cut and paste my past into my future? Or do I want to create a future radically different from my past? That was a decision that I needed to make. And I knew that choosing the latter felt much more aligned. Choosing the latter made me feel good. Oh, my gosh. Mina, this is... I mean, I'm here with goosebumps listening to I haven't heard. She never told me, you guys, from beginning to end. I knew about what happened to her, but the whole story, how it evolved and how you changed the way you thought about it yourself. You, It all comes down to just what you just said, is we have the power to make our own decisions of how we are going to move forward, how we are going exactly. to take that first step. And I love what you said, because I have a saying, at first it broke me, but then it built me. So I say from I broke to being built, because I feel I have been broken so many times, but God still has a purpose and a plan for our lives, no matter what. And it's up to us to believe that. So we can yeah, yeah. move forward because yeah, we, yeah. you could have stayed in stuck and in a rut and you still would have been there if you didn't decide one day to snap yourself out and say, you know what, I'm going to continue on my climb in life because I know there's more for me. And you know, Mina, it's funny. I was talking to my 16 year old son this morning before he went to school and I said to him, because he, he walks around sometimes telling me how tired he is all the time. And I said, listen, stop talking to yourself that way. You're not tired. You We have to change our stories. And what yeah, you yeah. believe about yourself is what you're going to be like and your actions yeah. are going to be that way. So the more, and I try to teach my clients this constantly because we're trying to I help them with their faith, increasing their faith in how that plays a role. And I wanna to talk to you about that next, but our self-talk is who yes. we are. And yes. you decided to change your self-talk and talk yourself almost out of your situation yeah. that there's more for you. 
And I know people need to constantly hear that. You can talk yourself into a downward spiral or you can talk yourself into the future that's going to be brighter and more beautiful and blessed. So I think that's, if anybody gets anything out of any of this, it's the art of your self-talk means everything. And I love that you chose to do that because the impact you're making right now is so far and wide and it's bigger than any monetary value that you could have in your pocket. I'm sure you go to bed every day right now feeling so blessed of the lives that you're touching now with your story and you are making an income. (laughs) So God works that way. And so thank you so much for sharing every single piece of that. I feel blessed by your story, but I do want to ask you how faith has played a role in everything that you do and how you knew God was with you. Tell me about that piece. You know, I really like this quote by Rumi. I don't, I, 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 I hope I'm not, I hope I'm doing justice to it uh, if I remember it correctly, but the quote is something like where the heart breaks is where the light enters. And I really love that quote because I feel like I, in fact, I was in the process of writing a poem, um, but I didn't complete it. And I was writing a poem about how I see Jesus in everything, you know, that I see Jesus in the mosque. I see Jesus in the, in, in, in the church. I see Jesus in the Jews. I see Jesus in the Gentiles. I see Jesus everywhere, you know? So it's you really learning and knowing that sometimes things are not what they seem if you are in a very, very hard place and you think that there is no hope and God has abandoned you and the world has turned their back on you. You have to know that it may seem that way, but it is not that way. It may seem that way only because we, every single one of us, we are in this, on this like earth for our own spiritual evolution. And we cannot evolve unless and until we understand the duality of everything, duality of happiness and hardship, duality of, you know, light and darkness. We don't appreciate one without the other. And so for me, um, when it came to rebuilding myself and my faith, if it wasn't for my faith, I think I would have been, I wouldn't have become better. I would have become bitter as a person. Mm -hmm. And so another very interesting thing that happened is when I started, when I went through my financial loss and when I started walking on this journey of healing and self-healing and forgiving and letting go and using all my energy to move myself towards the direction of my future rather than any energy that is holding me back. When I was going towards that direction, I understood that unless and until I open myself up spiritually, where I learn to trust God, where I learn to just allow God to work through me and unravel the things that I are within me that don't serve me, I am not going to be able to go to the next level. And so it was almost as if I had come to a crossroad or a where literally this is the vision I have. Like, it's like, can you imagine it's like you are going on a road trip except you're walking and you, you you're hitchhiking and you have all this luggage with you right and you can't carry all this luggage with you because you still have a long way to go 
you having to unpack everything in the middle of the road and saying what are the things that I am not going to be using for my journey that is actually wearing me down. I need to I need to actually take them out now. And so that's what I did. I had to up level myself as a person and anything that was holding me back whether it is any of my past traumas you know whether it was my previous stories about money whether it was my previous relationships any grudges i was holding on to i just somehow had this inner wisdom of anything that is holding me back right now that is not serving me that does not belong in my future needs to stay right here because i need to move forward and that has to go So that's when I started really unpacking and unfolding who I was as a person. My intuition became extremely strong. I just started having this intuition of knowing what what is the next thing to do, who I need to talk to. Sometimes I would walk up to random strangers who are Christian, by the way, and I would tell them, "Whoa, where, where did that come from?" And I'm like, "I don't know. I just felt the need. I needed to go and talk to you. I need to tell you this." So I had a lot of that happening because I think when you open yourself up, you just become a vessel. and when you are a vessel um you're just obedient and so for me faith is a a massive integral part to me being able to rebuild myself and that's why for me it's no longer about my success it's always now about why am i here what am i put in this earth for because everything that people desire is usually based on what they see in the physical realm whereas for me it's more about in the spiritual realm why am i here and what purpose am i supposed to be um achieving right and i do want to ask you this because maybe there's somebody listening right now that has lost everything or they're in financial distress in what would you advise someone that has been through this right now in the present moment because you have the experience what would you tell them oh so many things i mean i would first and foremost say that you know every feeling that you have is valid i think a lot of people will tell you don't cry don't do this don't do that i think that's the worst thing suppressing emotion is the worst thing you if you need to cry you cry you you need to cry because every time you go through something there is a reason why god gave us tears you know so if you have to cry you cry we have to process the emotions and the whole purpose of processing emotions is so that you can allow it to leave your body and so you you can only cry for so long you can cry you can get upset for so long but at some point you have to make a decision and that's why i want to emphasize on the word decision you have to make a decision for how much longer do i want to stay here You know, it's like traveling and you're staying in a dingy hotel. You've paid for it and you don't like it and you just complain about it every single day. Mm-hmm. At some point you got to decide if the hot water is not working. It is freezing cold and I don't have heating and everything about this place is wrong and I've done everything and nothing is working. You got to decide, do you want to continue living your life like that or you want to say, you know what? I'm going to cut my losses and I'm going to get out of here because I deserve better. you oh, know so, so making making that decision of like okay the world may seem to have gone wrong for me i may I, this is the thing when you are going through a difficult time you really start convincing yourself as if there is no longer hope 
you know, this is this, the worst part about feeling depressed or feeling anxious. Your view becomes very narrow and you start thinking that there is no option. Your life is over, end of story, sealed, that's it, you know. So you having to understand and put yourself in a place where you have a view, you know, you've got to zoom out. to say, I may not see the way, but it doesn't mean there is no way, right? There is always, always, always a way. If you see some of the most successful people in the world, they made their money after having failed so many times, mm -hmm. so, so many times. And so what really helped me actually is I started reading about successful people. I started reading about stories like Oprah Winfrey, you know, um, Sarah Blakely. I started reading stories about them, Jack Ma, and I'm like, Wow, these people, Jack, I don't I don't know how many people know Jack Ma. Jack Ma is, you know, the the founder of Alibaba, which is like Amazon in China. And he was somebody who was um, he was a tour guide and he taught himself English and he became the founder of one of the largest e-commerce companies in China. Overnight, he became the richest man in in China. But People see overnight successes. They don't realize how many times has this guy been rejected in his life. He even applied for jobs like Kentucky and, you know, like McDonald's, and he got rejected from all these jobs. And imagine getting to a place where he can actually buy these companies. So there is so much possibility and potential, but we only want to see other people succeed. We think that we don't have any choices but we don't realize that every person who succeeds has actually been through failure and so when you have failed remember it's not failure it's one step closer to success yes and it's we say rejection is actually a redirection, redirection. For yes and it's very yeah. true but that's very powerful to think about People think, oh, yes. I'm rejected. I, I lost everything. And I love how you related it. You can relate what you said about letting go of things that aren't serving you, taking the, the, the clothes out of the suitcase. Yeah. I love that analogy because you can relate that. Maybe you're stuck in a really terrible relationship or... Yes you know, your friend group is holding you back and you're wondering why you're in the same place that you've been in for three years, five years, nothing's changing for you. You have to look at your environment you're in. You have to do the work. It comes down to nobody's going to hand, no one's going to deliver money to your door. No one's going to deliver a new relationship, new friends, a new career. You have to take action. Exactly own what happened to you first. I think the most important thing is, is admitting and acknowledging, okay, this happened to me, but it was meant for me to do something bigger and better now. What yes, can I do? Definitely. Think about it differently. And it's not a final destination, you know, failure is not a final destination and neither is success. So we also have to understand exactly. that, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Yes. It goes both ways. And so I want to ask you this now, because you built so much for yourself. You've accomplished many great things. And I do want to talk about what you're doing in the present moment too, but building what you have built in, in you've attained success to say the least, what now keeps you going at this yeah. point? 
I want to take you to the story of like, because this is an answer to your question as to why I do what I do, but I want to tell you the story where it starts from. So in 2018, when I had already hit my seven figures, I didn't know that. I didn't know it. And so one thing that kept me going once I lost my finances, and as I mentioned, I decided I was going to tell the story from a place of empowerment. I started believing, believing in a future that was what a future that is aligned with my vision. So of course, a future aligned with my vision means I needed to create a vision. And one of the things that I had in my vision was to buy a villa in Bali. I don't know why, I just have this vision, I want to buy a villa in Bali. And I thought if I could just believe in that vision, that vision would make me happy and it would keep me going, right? So I just said, oh, it'll keep me going. So that's why I continue to believe in that vision, continue to live that as if it's already happened. Now, in the two years, I accidentally built my personal brand because what happened was I had, um, I was still in corporate, but as I started changing and growing, I felt somehow the need to share about my journey. I didn't feel I, I didn't feel I was ready to share about my financial loss, but I felt ready to share wisdom, whatever wisdom that came through me. And one of the catalysts that led me to sharing that wisdom was after my financial loss within a short period, within about a month or so, my mom lost her memory in, in, in Jakarta. And I had not been on holiday for over a year. I had lost my finances. I couldn't go on holiday. I usually went to Europe every summer, but I needed to wait another month so that I could afford a trip to Bali. And for me, Bali is like just an hour flight. And so when after a month, I said, okay, I can afford to go to Bali. I flew to Bali. The next morning I get a call from my sister telling me my mom has lost her memory. And so I had to fly back to, to Jakarta within 20, 20, the next 24 hours. And then 24 hours after that, I was in Singapore with my mom because we had to hospitalize her. Fortunately, we found out it was because she had shingles and the doctor had given medication, which was too strong. And so, you know, it was once the, the effect of off. Yeah, she was fine. But of course, at that time, I didn't know. I'd been through so much that whole period. And when I knew my mom was recovering and I thought I'm leaving Singapore and I'm going back to Jakarta tomorrow, I decided, you know what? I just need one quiet night, one quiet night in a random bar at St. Regis in Singapore. It's a quiet bar. And usually I don't like going to a bar alone, but it's a quiet bar. And I'm like, nobody talk to me. Everybody leave me alone. Nothing go wrong in my world, please. I just want to have a glass of wine and shut up the world. Shut up. You know, I just thought that to myself. Yes. And I sat there sitting and sipping my glass of wine. My aunt calls me from New York. And, you know, God bless her. I lost her since then, but she really was such a beautiful soul. She called me to tell me how, she, how proud she was that she had nieces like me and my sister. We were looking after my mom and we are having a really good conversation. Walks in an Australian guy. He walks in and he starts looking at me as if I am in a library, as if I shouldn't be speaking. So he's giving me that kind of a look. And I'm like thinking, what's your problem? You know, I'm not very loud. But he kept looking at me and after like about 20 minutes or so I hung up, he turns to me and he says, you know, oh, um, what brings you to Singapore? And I said, 
well, I'm here because my mom is not well and I just flew her here so that, you know, she was in the hospital. I told him this short story and he's like, wow, you look like a corporate woman and it's quite uh, impressive that you are here to take care of your mom. And I just looked at him, I'm like, which part of the world are you from? Because my part of the world, that's pretty common. You take care of your family. And that kind of became a whole conversation about success, success, happiness, what is success about? And to him, success meant financial success. And you know, after having lost my money and understanding that I need to learn the importance of happiness, I told him that success isn't just financial success, it's about happiness, it's about the impact you can make on others. And at first he didn't agree with me, but as we got into this conversation and I presented my case as a lawyer, <laughs> I presented my case as to why I think it's important for us to think about success as happiness. When the barman said last round, I said, okay, I'm out, I'm going back. And as I walked to the door, he said, can I walk you to the door? I said, sure. He walked me to the door and then he said, I don't know if this is allowed in your culture, but I'm going to do it anyway. And he just put his hand on my back and he said, well done. He patted me on the back and he said, well done. Thank you. You made me rethink about success. And that's when I was like, wow, what happened there? And I just kept reflecting on it. And when I got back to my hotel room, then I suddenly had this realization and I'm like, wow, I have been playing too small. Maybe I have this Asian girl syndrome where regardless of how qualified I am, like I am qualified as an attorney in New York, I am qualified as a solicitor in the UK, yet I think I don't have what it takes to convince a white guy, you know? And when I can change the mind of a white guy in a bar, can you imagine what else is possible? Mm -hmm. So that to me was like the time when I realized I need to start sharing this because if I can impact a white guy in a bar, I can impact other people. And so that's when I started writing on social media and I started writing on Facebook. My small little group was like 50 people. I, my friends added their friends, their friends added their friends. Suddenly I was filled with thousands of people. And one of my friends who was a chief marketing officer was a silent lurker in the group, never said anything. And after I can't remember how long, she messaged me to say how she was so happy to be part of that group and how it has impacted her and suddenly asked me if I was open to mentoring a couple of companies. And I'd never done anything like that before. I'm like, yeah, sure. So as I started mentoring companies, just in one session, by the time I had the next session with them, their revenue went up at 35%. I was like, whoa, I love this. I love doing this. I love that, that I can just see the result. I love the impact I'm making. And suddenly I got into coaching. I really enjoyed that whole journey of coaching. And this is how I was able to make my seven figures in two years. But why I still do what I do? I could have continued being in corporate. I could have continued still making you know, money and being a senior corporate executive, having the corner office. But after I hit my seven figures, after I bought my villa in Bali, as much as I absolutely loved my corporate job. I was highly empowered. I had the best job in the world. Something within me shifted. It shifted. And I just kept having this feeling of restlessness. And I kept asking God, why am I restless? Why am I restless? And I have the corner office. Everything is good. Nobody tells me anything. Like really, it was one of the best jobs. One day, 
As I was leaving my office to go to the bathroom, I walked past my team, the open plan office, and I had this voice in my head say, look at your team. And I'm like, what's the big deal? I look at my team every day. And the voice said, you won't see them for too long. And then I started panicking. I'm like, God, where am I going? Where am I going? Please don't take me away from here because I really like this job. I like really don't want to leave, you know? And then suddenly I had this epiphany. I saw this vision. First, the vision I saw were like my aunts who are helpless. I mean, in all fairness, my uncles were very nice to them. It's not that they were treated badly, but that's just not how I envision my life, right? And so it, I suddenly just saw my aunts very helpless. And then on the other hand, I have saw myself on a boat and this voice saying, if you want to walk on water, you got to step out of the boat. Mm-hmm. And suddenly I realized that I was called to help other women achieve success. Because if I have been able to do it twice, imagine what is possible for other women. And so that's when I decided I was no longer going to stay in corporate because I felt called to help women build their businesses and and become financially independent. Wow. So, wow. That's an amazing story as well. And I think you found that you are aligned with your purpose. Once you become fully aligned in yes. your calling, your purpose, that's when life begins. That's when things, doors of opportunity can happen for you. And what would you tell someone if they're looking for that right now and they don't, they're not aligned right now? What's your advice? Just what I would say is, you know, sometimes we get um, drawn to the mystical, like we, every one of us, we want to manifest, we want to have this mystical experience, we want to have all these amazing things that people talk about, synchronization, but that is just a byproduct of alignment. And I think people usually go after the wrong things. Mm-hmm. That is a byproduct. If you make sure you're aligned as a person, that happens. What does alignment look like? Alignment looks like what I said earlier about the story of hitchhiking and in the middle of the road, unpacking your stuff, you know, really asking yourself, what are the things that I'm carrying with me that no longer serve me? Because unless and until you are willing to let go of what doesn't serve you, you are just going to recreate your past into your future. Mm. Oh, I agree. I agree fully. It wasn't until I let go of the label I thought I was, I was, thought I was supposed to be in one lane and I was fighting to stay there, but I wasn't unpacking the things that were holding me back until I actually did that, Mina. I feel so free right now in my current state and what I'm doing. I feel I'm right in my purpose, my calling, and it's been here waiting for me, but I was hanging on, like you said, to the things that I thought were supposed I was supposed to be doing and exactly. if you Sometimes are just if you can just relate to this right now and you're like I feel that way I'm hanging on to this I'm hanging on to this relationship I'm hanging on to this job let yourself feel that freedom let go unpack what's not working for you what's not serving you and yeah. so you can live empowered and be in alignment with your assignment that god has for you because exactly. that's where the impact is that's where the 
the life really begins, the fulfillment. I mean, yeah. it's a, I have goosebumps talking about it. It's an amazing it's place to be. And don't yeah. let money be holding you back. You could be making six, seven so figures, whatever. Yeah. But if you're not happy and not feeling fulfilled, start unpacking. Sit with yourself quietly. Do the work. It all comes exactly. down to that. Oh, I love that, Mina. I love it so much. That's why we're so aligned. <laughs> exactly. We have so much in common. Yes, it's amazing. Well, as we start wrapping up, because I think we're going to have to do a part two at some yes. point <laughs> in a next podcast. There's so many things we could just keep diving into. But tell us about your current program so people can know what you're doing at the moment and right. how, how they can actually find you as well. Sure. So I, you know, I really do believe that as you evolve, you, you also, your programs need to evolve. So this year, my programs have evolved quite a bit. In the past, I used to run masterminds. Uh, right now, I feel like masterminds is not something I want to do because it ties me down for 12 months. And my masterminds, I help women scale to six figures. So now what I've done is instead of tying myself up to a 12 month mastermind, I have actually shrunk the program to an eight week program. It's called Empowered Digital CEO. And so that's a that's going to be an eight week program. That's for helping women start and scale their business as online entrepreneurs. But the main program that I absolutely love, where my heart is, is the program where I teach women to embrace their full power. So in if I were to explain what I do as a statement, I help women build their self-worth and their net worth. So the program I just mentioned just now is about helping women build their net worth. But that in itself is okay and good if you are already very secure and feel confident about your ability to make money. Initially, when I, when I actually got into the coaching world, when I wanted to uh, start group coaching programs, I wanted to go straight into launching business programs. But... I listened and I paid attention to what women were struggling with. And I realized the questions I was getting a lot was more about worthiness, about confidence, about relationship with money, about overcoming past traumas. And that's when I realized that I had not, I had taken for granted all the work that I'd done and that this is something women would be interested in. So instead of asking my potential clients to meet me where I was, I met them where they were. And so out of that was born a program called the Empowered Women Academy, where I teach women to build their self-worth. And so it's such a beautiful container. It's a six week program where these women have been able to find themselves, heal from their past. Um, women who are not able to look at themselves in the mirror now can look in the mirror. Women who've manifested six figures, all sorts of beautiful results only because they learned to become more aligned with the highest self. Mm -hmm. mm. And of course I do one-on-one -on -one as well, but these are mainly my group programs. Oh, I love it. Make sure any of you reach out to her. Where can they reach out to you? Well, the best place to find me is LinkedIn where you and I play Kelly. Uh, uh, so on LinkedIn, I'm Mina, the empowered woman. Uh, not so difficult to find. Mina is an M-E-E-N-A. And uh, my website is strongandshine.com. That's one word. Perfect. 
I am so grateful for this conversation today, Mina. You, I am so grateful. Yes, you, you such definitely a, such a fun conversation. It is, and you you blessed so many people listening right now. I know it, and I know that they're going to just walk away from this feeling empowered. And listen, if you are feeling empowered to just do something different, step out of your comfort zone, take a chance, bet on yourself right now. Please share this podcast with someone else because we all need a push. We all need to know that we're in it together. We're not in it alone. And you know what? Nobody succeeds alone. We all need each other to lock arms together and know that one story can help another to help you get out of your trauma. And we just do, we need each other. So share this episode, tag us both. We would be so blessed if you did that. And any last piece of advice you want to leave them? Um, I would, the last thing I would say is never, ever, ever, ever give up hope because where there is life, there is always hope. Amen. Amen to that. Thank you so much, Mina. And thank, thank you all. You. Yes. Thank you so much for tuning in today, everyone. I will put the links in the show notes. And again, thank you for your support, your loyalty to Addicted to the Climb. Have a great week, you guys. Have a great week, Mina. And until next time, keep on climbing. Uh, and that's a wrap. Thank you so much for being here every week because my goal is to always empower and inspire you so you can keep on climbing even when life gets tough. If you felt blessed today, it would mean the world to me if you subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. And one of the ways you can help me is if you would leave me a five-star rating and a review. This is really how I can help more people just like you. You can do this right on your podcast app on your phone. It's super easy. It will only take one minute. Also, if you want to be part of my private community on Facebook, head over there to Faith fuel and fitness and i'll meet you inside or you can even head over to my website kellytian.com to get more inspiration and resources to keep you on your own climb thank you again and have a healthy and happy week